The Women of Ill Repute, with your hosts, Wendy Mesley and Maureen Holloway. Maureen, I've been thinking a lot about regrets lately. I don't know. Oh, no. I know. Well, not that many. I don't have that many. And in fact, I don't even believe in them. But I do have a few, as they say. But what about you? Do you, do you have any? Well, let's talk professional. Professional regrets? Like about this podcast? Yes, many. Many, many, many. <laughs> I've got a few concerns, too. But you know what? I, I didn't mean the podcast. I meant not that you can't have regrets about that. But like what other jobs would you have done? Oh, okay. Well, when I was little, I wanted to be a ballerina. The fact that I'd never had a dance lesson in my life kind of got in my way. And then I wanted to be an actor. And I was an actor. I was a kid actor, as you know. But that's not my secret fantasy job. Ooh, fantasy. So I want to know what the fantasy job is. So I wish, I still wish that I was in a band, like fronted a band. Like a, like a rock band? No, a marching band. <laughs> with, the, with the outfit, like the little skirt and the baton. In the big baton. No, no, a rock band, a ro- a real rock band, not a folk band, not I wanted to be the front person of a rock band, but I'm not a great singer. I'm not a songwriter for that matter. I can't really can't play an instrument very well. So you see, uh, that's probably why I'm not a rock star. Well, I don't know. I, I was going to be a ballerina. And then they said, you could be a great ballerina, but you got to stop sticking your tongue out when you're concentrating. And I'm like, no, that's not good. That's why I went into TV because they know. But you had, you had other, like you were a cheerleader and you were a synchronized swimmer. You could have been a synchro, you could have been an Olympic synchronized swimmer. You and Louise Penny. Well, Louise Penny and I were in synchronized swimming, but I think she's a proud non-cheerleader. And I wish that you had never met anyone that I went to high school with because that's, that's like a deep secret. Like I've never, I don't tell people that. It's shameful. Yeah, I know. I love that that's your deep secret that you were a cheerleader. But back to women who rock. I was thinking about this because of our guests on the show. And there aren't really that many rock women. I mean, rock music's been the domain of young white men, although they, they borrow heavily from black music. And I honestly, I can only think of about a half dozen credible women rockers. You know, I'm not talking like Joni Mitchell's not a rocker. She's a brilliant musician, but name me some female rockers. There's a few. There's a few. And I'm, I'm hoping they'll all come on the podcast someday. How about like Joan Jett? Oh, yeah. For sure. Like Joan Jett. Exactly. Not my favorite. Used to be one of my favorites. Uh, Melissa Etheridge, kind of a rocker. Oh, that's interesting. That's a good one. And Patti Smith. Apparently, she's got a podcast now. So like she's, she's, she's hot. She was a rocker. She is definitely in her, and uh, her. you should follow her on Twitter. She's really, really, uh, really good. So there's a few. There's, I don't know, there's like, there's Hart. Yeah, the Wilson sisters and... Fleetwood Mac. Yeah, okay, all right. But my, my point is there are not a lot of female rockers. That's my point. Sister Rosetta Tharp. Okay, now you're just Googling, okay? <laughs> so that's a good one, though. So we, we have a, a real live badass woman who rocks and she's on the show and she's Canadian. It's Sass Jordan, singer, actress, talent. She's a talent judge, all of that. Hey, Sass. It's Sass Jordan. Yes. Wine and whiskey maker. And what's her latest album called? Bitches Blues. So Sass Jordan, everybody. Yeah, I'm still alive and well. I'm still alive and well. Wow, big crowd noise. You guys, that was funny. Like, it was really hard to keep my mouth shut while you were talking. It's hard for you to keep your mouth shut most of the time. And that we, and we love that about you. 
So let me just start off, Sass. We're calling you a, a rocker, but you are you are now identifying as a blues woman, if anything. You're presenting as a blues singer. <laughs> <laughs> the word identifying with God Almighty, it's, it's so politically loaded. I'm identifying as a bird on a wire currently. And yeah, you know, for me, all that stuff is just a load of bullshit. It's just, it's music. And I understand exactly what you're saying, though, when you're saying rockers, as opposed to musician, you know, female musicians, et cetera, et cetera. There are not a lot, definitely not when I was starting out, you know what I mean? Like there weren't any that I, there was Janis Joplin, which wasn't really my thing at all because I found her screechy and unbearable. Because the people that I, the music, the singing that I loved was like, you know, uh, I can't think of his goddamn name right now, but I'm going to get it in a set, bad company, um, Paul Rogers. I mean, the list of male singers that I loved goes on for miles. And there were just no women doing that. And there still aren't. There really aren't. I don't know. Even I don't. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't know. Mind you, that style, that genre is really not what I would consider to be current rage. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's had, it's over. And if you love it, you can go and dig it up. You know what I mean? But I mean, as far as making it, well, there's some, there are some people that do, of course, but it's not headline news. I can tell you that. Now, as far as what I identify as, I've always been blues rock and a man. (laughs) I couldn't resist. It's just, Oh my God, that identifying thing. Doesn't it kill you? Like I'm so over this shit. I can't even stand it. But okay, yeah. So I've always been a blues rocker, rootsy, soul, all the stuff. I just, I love music. I'm not necessarily that drawn to like polka or opera, but I feel it has its place. You know what I mean? It's just not my thing. It ain't my thing. Also, it's like, like, try and define a genre. Like, it's so incredibly difficult. Like you were saying, you were saying, but they're not a rocker. Because to each of us, our idea of what a rocker is, for example, Stevie Nicks is not a rocker to me. Not at all. And yet she's considered that, like, in, in a wide context. And I get it. I totally get it. But anyways, that all goes down to, you know, personal opinion. And, you know, we could get, we could start slicing, you know, straws here and it would just be, we'd be here for the next 50 hours, which of course I wouldn't mind with you guys because you're hilarious. Well, I, I wouldn't mind if rock came back. I mean, I listening to your songs. I, I like, I really like that stuff. Although I went and read your, the, the promo for your, your new album. And it says you played with so many bands like Aerosmith, Rolling Stones, ACDC, Van Halen. And then it's just so interesting that like none of them had girls. So what's the, I don't know. And you were a girl in the middle of, of all that. Now, now you're a woman or you identify as a woman, I'm assuming. <laughs> <laughs> but like, tell us stories. What was it like? It must've been so fascinating. Well, you know, uh, when it's your life, you know, it's interesting as someone else's story. When it's your life, it's interesting. But it, it contains all the ups and downs and the emotional, you know, disasters and dramas and all that crap. And the more of that there is, the more I block it out. <laughs> so I don't remember. So you're not telling. I think that's what you're saying. <laughs> no, I don't remember. Uh, I do some stuff. 
some stuff, but like, you know, I, you'd have to ask me a specific question about a specific person or something like that. Cause I just, it's, it's just a freaking blur. Yeah. And I, you know what? I, I think that's true for all of us, no matter what our past is. Can't remember anything. Okay. I want to ask you about being, uh, and you know, I'm just going to go ahead. So you're this hot young woman and you were fronting these bands and these the musicians that you've played with. You've said there's nothing that you love more than laughing with your band. And you've had this camaraderie and you've played and you've toured with some of the, the most talented and charismatic musicians out there. Like, I'm going to, because he's so dearly departed, I'm just going to throw Taylor Hawkins' name out there. And you played with him and then toured with him, did you? Now he was part of your band. You guys were really good friends, were you not? Yes, yes, absolutely. When he joined my band, he hadn't played with anybody, anything other than like in a, like a little club. So he had never been on the road. He'd never toured. He'd never done anything like that. And he was like, I think he was 21. Was he 21, 22? Like he was just a baby, but he was the most beautiful being. He was so full of light even back then. And I think that was like a main reason for hiring him because, you know, anybody that met him fell in love with him. I mean, there was absolutely no one that didn't, you know, and that continued through his whole life. Because he wasn't, you know, particularly skilled at the time. You could tell he was going to be great, but he was, you know, he was in his early formative years. He worked his butt off and he always knew he was going to be a rock star. So did we. We always knew he was going to be a rock star. It was obvious because he was just, he just shone like the sun. You know, you don't all, you don't run into people like that very often in life. But anyways, I happened to be uh, lucky enough to be the first big band that he was in. And then he went on, of course, to Alanis Morissette, which was uh, gigantic. I don't need to tell you. Oh, there's a rocker, I guess. Yeah, I'd put her in the rock category for sure. It will some of it, but mm, you know what I mean? It still isn't. Like, we could just have a great big fight on a podcast about who is and who isn't. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, let's do that because everybody's dying to listen to more aggression, violence, and misery. <laughs> no thanks. You got to spot lots of cool young up and comers like Carly Rae Jepsen. You were on what's the name of that show? You spent six seasons as a judge. Canadian Idol. Yeah, and she was one of the participants. And you said that she was like a super. So you've seen you've seen a lot of up and comers. So how do you spot like you were a judge for six years? So how do you spot true talent? What do you look for? It seems obvious, but it's also very mysterious. How do you know somebody's got it, whatever it is? I, well, talent is an overused word, I think, because I think pretty much everybody is talented at something in some way. And I, obviously you're talking about musically, but it's not really for me. This is just for me. Not, I can't say for anyone else. It's more an energy that you can sense. It's an energy that comes from the person because, you know, there's people who are extremely well-known and very successful that I wouldn't consider remotely freaking talented. Do you know what I mean? It's got nothing to do with that. It has something to do with the energy and then how the machine is built around that, you know, because there's most definitely a machine. And I discovered that in spades when I was doing that Canadian Idol show. It was just, it was like, it was absolutely fascinating. Oh, you know what it makes me think of is once upon a time, many, many years ago, I did a television show that was real. I was a guest actor because I'm such a great actor on a TV show um, that was super popular at the time. It was called Sisters. It was like a, a nighttime soap. 
Anyways, and it was when I was living in LA, shot in LA, of course, and all, you know, all la 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 la, all that shit. And so then, so I had to audition. That was the thing. I had to audition, right? And I'm like, sure, what the hell? I can do anything, you know me. So I go to the audition and I suck like massive balls. I suck because I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just, you know, reading this. I don't know. It's just, it's so stilted, you know, words on a paper. I have no idea anything. Anyways, they got the producer and the director and all the people in there. And I leave and they say, oh, we'll call you. And then they call me back, right? I mean, you know, a couple of days later and I go back. I don't know how this works. I don't realize that if you get called back, it's because, you know, they, they're actually considering it. I'm the most ignorant, foolish, naive human being on the planet. So anyways, I go back and they, and I do another one and they got all these other people in there. And I'm like, Jesus, what's going on here? Like, why are all these people in here? And then they go, okay, we want you to do it. We want you to do this, this part. And I'm like, okay, cool, cool, cool. What do I got to do? And they're like, well, you gotta, you gotta act. And I'm like, well, I can't act. Isn't that clear? I've never done this before in my life. And they're like, yeah, yeah, don't worry about it. And finally, I go, why did you, I'm telling the story really badly. Excuse me, people. I hope I haven't lost you. But anyway, I finally say, why did you pick me? Because there were 200 people they auditioned. They wanted a musician, a singer or somebody like that. I remember they auditioned Lita Ford. That's the only other one I can remember. But anyways, hundreds of people. And I said, why'd you pick me? And they said, well, you're right. It's not because you can act. This is because you have this energy that really translates well to the camera. And that's really what we're looking for. You know, don't worry about the rest of it. We can show you what to do. And that is exactly how I got it. So all that incredibly long story to say that I have seen that in other people. And when I see that, it's not so much that I'm going, oh, this, this person is such a fantastic musician and brilliant, this and that and the other thing. That's all bonus. I'm looking at, does this person have that elusive thing that we would have called in the olden days star quality, which is something that you really cannot define. It's a, it's a vibe. It's a feeling, which I feel is like most life, except for shitty food, which is more than an energy or a feeling. It's disgusting. Random aside. As a random aside, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna jump in. I'm gonna ask you a question. If you and if if I'm completely out, I, I heard a rumor, and if it's true, you can't talk about it. And if it isn't true, we all maybe you'll say so. But talking about different aspects of your talent and your career and your energy, would you consider hosting a rock radio show? Is this a joke? <laughs> no, I'm not offering. I'm just wondering if you've been approached. For the past, I'd say five years, I have been farting around going, I really should do a podcast. Well, you know, one of these days I'm going to do it. And do you think I get off my freaking ass and actually do it? No, because I am not a fan of doing things by myself. Like what you guys are doing right now, that is my kind of thing. Like if I was part of a team that I, it's, I just don't like doing it by myself. I don't find it fun. I don't get to laugh. We don't get to make jokes. We, get, we don't, you know, get to yell at each other, drink wine. We can't, you know, it's boring on your own. Boring. So, yes, I would. It does really matter. Like, I was thinking when I left CBC, long story, whatever, I was thinking, well, what am I going to do? Everyone said, oh, you're going to write a book. And now, of course, everyone's going to bring, hey, write a book, write a book. But that means sitting by yourself in a room, having deep thoughts and, uh, and being disciplined. Whereas doing a podcast, and then I thought maybe I'll do a podcast by myself. And then I thought, nah, I don't know. 
And then Maureen and I kind of came up with an idea and it's built and we're having fun. And yeah, I think I think that's one of the reasons I went into TV. I'm sure that's one of the reasons why Maureen, she was great with other people. And, and it's why you're great in music. You get to react to people. So I, I think I think it really does matter being with somebody else. Well, it depends on on you, you know. Yeah, for people like us. <laughs> yeah, for people like us. Of course, we are women. Women are generally more I don't know. Are we really different? I don't know. <laughs> no, what I mean is I, we're more, we like to, it's, it's more a community thing. I mean, you know, just as the men would go off and they'd go hunting and they'd do this and that and the other thing and the women would stay home. You're not into hunting? You're not a hunter? Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm not sure what gave you that impression. <laughs> F no. I like cooking and having my cocktail and talking with the gals. That's what I like doing, singing, hanging out. You know, that's what I like. The Women of Ill Repute. Speaking of cocktails, so you've got your wine. I don't have a whiskey. No, well, I have the prototype of it. And I got a ton thousand little bottles of it. But the thing is, is it never went into production because right when it was supposed to happen, boom, shakalaka, what happened? Yeah, the whole world cranked to a stop. Boom. And in the meantime, just haven't gotten around to it yet again. You know what I mean? Like what else is new? I need to live to 150. What's the wine called? It's sass something, I think, right? No, she's sass. My God, if anybody is sass, sass is sass. Well, yeah, I was wondering, like, Sarah, isn't, aren't you Sarah? Like, that didn't work as a rocker. <laughs> oh, it's, of course. Who wouldn't use a name like that? Bertha was my birth name, and it just didn't work. There's nothing wrong with Bertha. Bertha baby, yeah. I birthed a baby. Yes, I did. Yeah, we all did. Actually, I think your daughter and Wendy's daughter, I think, are of the same age. Yeah. Almost 24. I'll see, mine will be 25. She'll be 25 in November. Huh. So when you're different. Yeah. And she went, to, well, she went to Concordia. And I think your dad taught at Concordia in Montreal a thousand years ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was born in Montreal, but didn't really go there till my 20s. Maureen grew up there. She's got all kinds of memories. Do you have memories? Like, yeah. Is it like, is it still a thing for you or it's just like childhood? No, I, you know what? It's funny because Sass is, Sass and I are more or less the same age. And I was reading about you playing guitar in Westmount Park. You know, you're getting stoned and getting high. And I somehow remember that. And I also, then you mentioned that you went to see the, the David Bowie's Diamond Dogs tour at the Forum was your first concert. That was my first concert. I was there. Oh, my God. What day is your birthday? What day? December 11th. Okay, so we're born the same month. Oh, no, we're not doing the astronomy or astrology or whatever it is thing, are we? Thanks for raining on our parade, Wendy. Wendy. Don't be a wet blanket. I need to know this stuff. Are you a morning? Are you a water sign? No, she's a fire sign. Yeah. You know what my father used to say? My dad was a Capricorn, like, and he would say, I'm a Capricorn. We don't believe in the Zodiac. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I have a thing for cancers. I'm a cancer and I don't, you know, I like to make fun of all that stuff. But I have so many of my bestest, closest friends, Marina aside, are cancers. It's kind of it's kind of weird. It is kind of weird. Yeah. So I don't have claws or whatever they have, like the crab. Claws. 
Pincers. That's a super long, uh, that's another podcast and we'll discuss later. But anyways, yeah, because it is absolutely fascinating. I want to get back to you as a mom. I can't, what kind of mom are you? I bet you're a good mom, whatever that is. Well, I, how many people come on and go, I am the worst mom that ever exists. <laughs> if they are, they don't want to discuss. But I mean, I was just the mom. I'm the mom I was, you know, I, I, I have no idea. My daughter says she likes me. So things couldn't be that shit. And I was gone a lot, you know, I was gone a lot. And so in a way, I think you'd have to ask her, but I think that really helped her. It could have gone either way. Do you know what I mean? Like it's up to the individual. You can take it either the negative way or you can take it the positive way. And she seems to have taken it the positive way. It made her able to feel comfortable around people quickly because she had to make friends quickly and she would be, you know, and and when she was a kid, she'd like weasel her way into other people's families. It was genius. She'd be like, yeah, oh, um, you know, I, maybe I could stay over tonight, like that kind of stuff. And because she was such a delightful human being, which she still is, you know, people loved her and they'd be like, oh, come on by. So yeah, come and hang out. No worries. You know what I mean? It made her able to adapt. It's so hard to know. The whole mom guilt thing, like, because I had to travel a fair amount for, for work, never for a long time. Like, I never went on tour and disappeared. But I always, I, I worked such long hours that I felt like with a kid, like when I'm home, I, I like, I got to be home. And yet now I'm looking back, Maureen and I started this by talking about regrets. Like, I kind of like, why didn't I just go skiing and put her in with the other kids to hang out? And like, it wouldn't have killed her. So I don't know. I don't think anyone ever gets it right. And no one, as you say, ever confesses to being a bad mom. I'm a terrible mother and I can't drive either. <laughs> no one ever admits to that. I'm a terrible driver, a terrible mother. Well, you know, I, yeah. And I mean, you're exactly, no one ever gets it right. But I mean, that just opens up Pandora's box of what's it all about, Alfie? Why the hell are we here? What's the point? What is this earth? I mean, that's the stuff that I'm most fascinated in, quite honestly. But it's also not just the mother, like your husband's a musician, Derek Sharp. And so you're both responsible for your lifestyles and how that affects you as parents. I'd like to think we're past the point where where it's the mother who has to say, well, I could have, you know, been more hands on. Dads, dads can say that, too, or should say that, too. Actually, in a way, he was around more than a lot of dads get to be because when he was playing, he was playing. But when he was home. You know, he'd be making them all the like these fabulous foods and showing them how to cook stuff. And, you know, like when he was home, he was great. I found it fascinating because growing up, there weren't a lot of women rockers. And, but I find it interesting that you say, first of all, it was all men. So who, who are you going to look up to other than men? Because that's the only people who were doing it. But then Janice Joplin, you like there wasn't a role for women. And she kind of horned in and took a place and then died young of an overdose and all that stuff. So I just, is it easier now? Like maybe not in rock. You say rock is dead, but, and you're still doing stuff. So it's, uh, I don't know that I wouldn't say that rock is dead. I would just say that it's, everything is so compartmentalized and like genre specific now, you know what I mean? It's like auto-tune. You got to do auto-tune. That's, that's what you got to do, Sass. Or maybe that was last decade. Maybe is it something else now? no. It's constant and it doesn't go away. And it's like, it's become almost like an art form in itself. It's like robot music. It goes with, you know, virtual reality to me. 
It's programmed music for programmed brains. Control, control, control. It feels Orwellian. But anyways, I don't think rock is dead. I just think it's under the radar. You know, it's like blues, also under the radar. But there's groups of people that listen to certain types of music. I like the idea of people listening to all sorts of music, depending on the mood they're in, instead of just being, you know, confined to one genre. I listen to all kinds of music, mostly non-singing music. I like instrumental music, funnily enough, because when somebody starts to sing, I cannot help but get super engaged in it. So I can't listen to somebody singing while I'm cooking or having a party or, you know, around other people. It's like, it, oh, shut up! Just be quiet. I like chill hop. You like what? What hop? <laughs> what? Chill hop? I like kill hop instrumental lo-fi beats. That's what I like. You know, it's funny. You grew up listening to classical music and like your parents only played classical music. Yeah. Well, until I was about, until I was eight, nine, nine. And then one day on the radio, you didn't even know the dial turned from the classical. You, and then you, you thought, what would happen if I touched that dial? And you, you cranked it around a little bit. And the first thing that came on was the band. The band. And you knew immediately. Yeah, that's that's the absolute truth. It was one of those moments, you know. Can I think of another moment in my life that was that extreme and that it really, it's, it, it was like, I see my life now. I see where I'm headed, you know, which was a, a gift from God because how many people, you know, flounder around trying to figure out what the hell do I want to do? I don't want to do this. Is somebody telling me to do this? I got to go to school to do that. I don't know what I want. You know, like that awful feeling at this point in my life. And I think that that continued in my personal life for up until about, I would say late thirties, early forties. And then it dropped again. And I was like, what the hell do I want to do with the rest of my life? Because I'm over this crap. You know, because the world of music, professional music, is a very, I lack the words, it's such a, a hellhole. Again, it's very much up to the individual what you make of it, but I found being famous to be very uncomfortable and not at all what I thought it was going to be, you know, and I didn't love it. I did not love it. And then I was like, maybe I've made a terrible mistake. You know, I love music. But the slogging of it and just the, it's the thanklessness of it. And all, physically, it's so intense. And when I say thanklessness, I'm obviously not talking about an audience because, you know, to me, it's something you create together. The people that are there to witness it and you, and then you create it together. It's not really you alone. So I'm talking about the thanklessness of it in the sense of the relentless flogging, uh, publicity, constantly trying to be, you know, noticed and stay there and this and then what you look like and what you look like is so vitally important. I know Wendy's looking, she's going, like, I know exactly what you're talking about. It is so, I mean, there's this real push pull, right? Like, you don't want to do anything to be famous or to be rich, and yet you want to be rich and famous on your own terms. Like reading about about you, because there's a lot to read. There's You've been around for a little while, uh, she says politely. All of us have been. There was one point where it sounds like you switched production companies because they were saying, hey, Sash, you should be more mainstream. Like, forget being the rock and roll queen. You should be, and that it wasn't you. And it sort of made me think of when CBC tried to 
you know, they thought, oh, well, she's this popular journalist, so we'll get her to do the, I can't remember, some kind of game show thing, like you're the greatest Canadian or whatever. And I had to like wear fancy clothes and uh, suck my tummy in and read all this stuff about, hey, give her, give her up now. for. And I was like, what the hell am I doing? I don't remember that. I'd love to see that now. (laughs) Let's give her for the heart surgeons who I thought had the hots for me, but apparently was their dads, which was the first realization that, okay, I'm in dad territory now. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. My dad, my dad loves you. My dad did love you, actually. (laughs) Anyway, it, 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 it is that push pull thing. So now like you're not a pup anymore. Like, how do you deal with that? Wait, wait, I want to say, no, none of us are pups, but I mean, you know, you are still in a field where being a woman, popism is important. Yep. <laughs> and being a woman who's who, an older woman, it's, I mean, those are the two strikes against you in music right now, I would think. Oh my God. And what do you mean music? <laughs> How about life? <laughs> but on the other hand, here's the deal. Every single day I have a practice where I go, F this. (laughs) I'm over it. I don't care. I just, I don't really care anymore. And I bloody well did. Okay. I did. I'm not going to lie. I absolutely did. And then I thought, am I going to go to my grave, like being miserable because I don't fit into some idea that I had 20 years ago anymore? How about we create a whole new reality SAS? I'm talking to myself, you know, and there are so many fascinating things going on as far as, I'm sorry to bring this in, guys. Just give me, just bear with me for one second. But like the nature of reality, the matrix, what in the hell are we living in? You know, so, and that kind of stuff is what I'm most interested in, in this day and age. It's like, I, that is an endlessly long discussion and I'm not going to go there. But what I'm saying is, is Nothing is what we think it is. Nothing is how it seems. And so to me, the ideas of, you know, you got to be young and you got to be sexy and you got to be beautiful. and you gotta, These are all quaint ideas that belong to another reality and another time that I seriously have no interest in or time for anymore. I just don't care. You know what I mean? And I am not here to flog any of that stuff anymore. I, it really doesn't matter. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder, as we know. As far as being sexy, do you really want that? It was a nightmare. No, some of it was really great. (laughs) Some of it was okay. (laughs) Well, I'm talking about like as a public figure, (laughs) some of it was really great. Well, that doesn't, why would that go away then? No, on the news, you know, we used to like, you know, have sexual activity all the time on the national tonight. Sexual activity. What? No, no. (laughs) No, exactly not. (laughs) Okay, well, we're running out of time, but I do want to, I want to comment to ask slash comment. So you're a blues woman, you're a rocker, you're uh, your wife, your mother, you're uh, your dad's fantasy. But you know what you are, Sass? You're one of the happiest people I have ever met. And you just exude joy. What? You do. Oh, come on. You've never heard that before? Wow! Wendy, do you not agree? Like, you're just so full of, you seem to be full of happiness, genuine happiness. And so apparently it's all it's all for show. Where's the addiction and the bitterness and the rejection and the heartbreak that you're supposed to be singing about? <laughs> I'm kind of disappointing in that way, aren't I? 
Oh, I'm sorry. I'm I'm so freaking boring. You're a terrible disappointment. Yeah, how can you be a happy blues singer? It's really, like, I think what makes somebody uh, appealing to others is a certain sense of empathy. Empathy. It's an energy of empathy. So it's like I can tap into those things. And, of course, I have miserable shit in my life. I mean, who you know, come on. You don't get it to be 180 with no miserable shit. And so, I, but I, I, I can tap into that. But I like part of what I do is to, it's like an alchemy. You take that misery and you shift it. It sounds ridiculous when you say it, but I, this is what I do. I, I just shift the energy through the voice. Through I don't even know how I do it. You know what? I'm going to figure that out. I'll get back to you on that one. Yeah, the answers to everything we want to know about the planet, the universe, religion. If you wouldn't mind sending us a little memo, that would be. I'll put it in a in a two paragraph, and you'll know everything. How about that? That'll only be one thousand five hundred sixty two dollars and seventy three cents. Sass, the album's been out for a couple of months. Where can or can, where can we see you next? Are you performing anytime soon? Oh yeah, yeah, in Ottawa. I'm going to be in Ottawa. Oh God, I thought you were going to say, where can you, where can we find the album? I almost shit myself because I don't know where you can find the album, but I believe online. (laughs) That's not what you said anyway. Online? Online? (laughs) We'll find out. We'll put it in your little bio on our website. So yeah, Ottawa and then, uh, oh, bless. Fuck, you know what? Let's hang up. Let's finish the podcast and continue our conversation. Oh no, we want your secrets here, like official. Yeah, like that story about uh, Mick Jagger or whatever. Mick Jagger? Well, your PR says that, you know, that you performed with Aerosmith or that you were in Rolling Stone. So I was hoping there would be like a Mick, but there's no Mick Jagger story. I just walked past him backstage. Isn't that exciting? Can you stand it? Oh, but I did have lunch once a thousand years ago with a lot of other people, with Keith Richards at his birthday party in New York City. And... Being me, I was like, oh, Keith Richards, it's not Mick Jagger, man. So, like, okay, fine, Keith. No, but I wasn't, I was not excited because I wanted to be Mick, not Keith. But anyway, so, and they sat me next to him and I was overwhelmed by the B.O. The B.O.? Oh, no. His awesomeness didn't beat the (laughs) B.O. And I had to leave. I couldn't stand it. I was like, has this man never heard of deodorant? I couldn't stand it. And I mean, like, I was like, look at the time. I got to go. I can't. I didn't go, dude, put on some fucking wash your armpits. How about that? Wash your armpits. Nobody ever teach you how to do that. You skunk burger. So you're not in the Rolling Stones. So it was like that close, but oh, well. But now I love, I think he's terrific. As long as I'm at a decent, you know, distance. And I don't know how Patty Hansen does it. I do not know. Well, maybe he doesn't always smell. Maybe that was just that day. Perhaps not. Yeah, maybe was, he had onions for breakfast or who knows, right? Kippers. No, it wasn't onions. Oh, God, it was armpit. Gruesome. On that note, Sass, you know we were having a great session when nobody wants to leave, but we must. But leave we must. Woo! Look at the time. Thank you. Look at the time. Thank you so much. You're so awesome. And we'll look for you in Ottawa. When are you performing? In September. <laughs> 17th oh my god in ottawa at this something casino <laughs> doesn't that sort everything up you know what it, it is online it will be advertised if you're interested and it's gonna be fabulous because it's oh canal's gonna be there i love it i'm so excited about that so yeah 
and the rest of my fabulous band who are wonderful and hilarious and just a great deal of fun. We're going to have a blast. And I really think you guys should come. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, we got we got a few million to spare. No problem. We'll see you there. I'll, I'll pick you up on the way, Maureen. <laughs> All right. I know it's Ottawa. We'll just private jet it. Sass Jordan, you are a force of life. So good to talk to you. Yeah, thanks, Sass. Thank you so much. Oh my God, Wendy, people tell me I have an infectious laugh. Are you kidding me? She's got the best laugh anywhere. It's just irresistible. Yeah, she's quite a character. She, I mean, some of her stories are a bit long, but oh my God, she's there and she doesn't give a crap what other people think. I, anyway, I just, uh, I really enjoyed that. And her talk about energy, because I was, you asked her, like, what is it? Because she's right. There are so many people who like really suck. So maybe you or I could be an actor. <laughs> Got lots of energy. <laughs> okay. I also, in the interest of full disclosure, when I asked her if she would consider doing a radio show, I was responding to a rumor, a complete fabrication, but I thought I'd throw it at her. And now I don't think there's any truth to the rumor. I could be wrong, but I had heard that she might have been approached to take over a big rock station in Toronto in the morning show. But uh, from her reaction, I have a feeling that's, I don't think that was complete news to her. So let's squash that. Yeah, well, she would probably know. She's either got a massive PR team like the politicians who are managed to make it sound like something different when they haven't denied it, but I think she pretty much denied it. Yeah, pretty much. And she's got a lot going on. So I wouldn't wish that on anybody, actually, let alone someone I really like. <laughs> yeah, I found the whole conversation about being famous and being a mother. And I, I anyway, I just uh, I know I get sort of drawn into sort of emotional things. But I, I found that really, really interesting. Like she, she laughs and she's done her stuff and she's hopefully made the best of it all. But anyway, I thought she was, I thought she was cool. But I do hope she's going to send us a memo about solving all the problems of the earth. <laughs> yes, I know. Well, she's, you know what? She's a deep thinker. She, in some ways, uh, our talk with Jan Arden was like that, you know, where Jan, they, they spend a lot, I think, having achieved fame and fortune and all that stuff ideally puts you in a position where you can reflect about what matters and how, and not only how you got somewhere, but how important it is, you know, and she doesn't give a fuck. There you go. Me neither. So it's not just getting old. I think, I think people, I think people are like that when they're born, they just get, they become more, more, more as they get older. Yeah. You get more like yourself every day, every day. Well, that was fun. Yeah, that was fun. On to the next. The Women of Ill Repute with Wendy Mesley and Maureen Holloway. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at womenofillrepute.com. Produced and distributed by the Sound Off Media Company. Hey listeners, I'm Christy. And I'm Melissa. And this is Buried Motives, where we dig deep into the details of some of the most gruesome dirtbag murderers. She said she enjoyed hurting things that can't fight back. And that is a disturbing view into the mind of a murderer in such a dirtbag. 
Yeah, that's not even strong enough words. This is totally a recipe for disaster and not to justify whatever is going to happen, but you can totally understand and see how this would be in the works. If you were only to look at what she did later on and not know any of that history, she would appear like off the wall crazy. Oh, 100% because we're not even close to getting to the end yet. But you can just see this pattern and all this kind of stuff developing in her, which is what we're here for. We're digging deep. Join us each Thursday as we unearth the dirt bags that live among us and the motives buried there. Hope you join us as we exhume the truth.